Hey everyone, this is Justin. If you're a fan of the show, you could really help us out by heading over to iTunes and giving us a rating and review. Thanks for listening. In this installment of This Is Happening America, we sail back to 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue and discovered alternative facts. News that's local somewhere, someone else is added to the basket of deplorables, and we hand out another star-spangled awesome award. I'm Mark Betancourt. I'm Justin Mara. It's the end of the world as we know it, but we feel fine. Leonard Bernstein! Welcome to another episode of This Is Happening America. I'm Mark. I'm Justin. And we're back with episode eight. Hey, we got to this far. The Ocho. <laughs> is that a dodgeball reference? <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. All right. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing really well, Justin. How are you? I'm fantastic. That is fantastic. We're, we're, we're braving the cold here in New England. It finally snowed. It did finally snow. Yes. We, 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 I had to shovel lots and lots and lots of snowflakes out of my driveway. <laughs> I was not happy about it. Not only did it snow, uh, but it was a blizzard. Yeah. It was officially a blizzard. It was officially a blizzard. Do you know what the difference between a blizzard and a snowstorm is? Uh, I just learned this. There, there, it's, it's for three hours. Yep. There has to be a, a steady, consistent snowfall. Yep. Uh, with wind? Yes. Wind is the difference wind, wind between a difference. snowstorm yes. and a blizzard. Yep. So I just discovered this. Very educational on our snow day the other day. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I had, to, I had to do something since I wasn't working. Right. Exactly. So we, we and, and on that day, we... we, we designed this podcast for you we did We're very excited about it very uh because it does have to do with climate change it does um but not the way you think uh because there's been a lot of talk about climate change and whether you know you've got the climate deniers you've got the people who believe in but believe in climate change believe in man-made climate change right and you know there's the back and forth about what's alternative facts or not when it comes to climate change right yes but um we discovered that this isn't the first time there's been a debate about alternative facts. Today, the United States would appear to be inundated with alternative facts. Most recently, you may have I seen this. No, you question. did not. You did yes, not answer did. the question of why the president asked the White House press secretary to come out in front of the podium for the first time and utter a falsehood. Why did he do that? It undermines the credibility of the entire White House press office no, it on doesn't. day don't one. Be so, don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. What it, it, you're saying it's a falsehood and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains- Alternative facts? Alternative facts, four of the five facts. The vitriolic outrage was fast and swift, but the peddlers of these alternative facts doubled down with statistics pulled from a hammer space containing not ridiculous cartoon mallets, but rather nonsensical gibberish only the most obsequious members of the regime regarded with any seriousness. The more the faithful buy into and repeat these alternative facts, the more distraught the rest of us seem to become. 
You remember the victims of Bowling Green, Kentucky, don't you, Justin? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. No, neither do I. Um, citizens of the United States shouldn't be surprised by climate deniers, education skeptics, or even made-up massacres that never took place. But if you're not down with alternative facts, then I'm sorry to say you're just as un-American as the last man on Earth who thought the world was flat. That's right. This week we're talking about Christopher Columbus, the guy who discovered America. Actually, Mark, his name was Christoforo Colombo. Right. Same thing. And he never actually set foot on what would become American soil. Well, I mean, those are just technicalities. And the whole Earth is flat thing. You know what, Justin? Okay, why do we even have a Columbus Day, okay? He was a genocidal idiot in reality. That's a great question, Mark. Why do we? Here is 1485, and Cristoforo Colombo stands before King John II of Portugal with a petition. Equip three sturdy ships and grant me one year's time to sail out into the Atlantic to search for a western route to the Orient and return. If I succeed, I ask only that you confer me the great admiral of the ocean, governor of any and all lands discovered, and be given one-tenth of all revenue from these lands. The king submitted Columbus's proposal to his experts. And while eloquently written, the royal advisors promptly told him to get the hell out of here. Columbus's estimate of traveling a distance of 2,400 miles to Cathay, modern China, was in their opinion far too low, like a thousand miles too low. As far back as the third century BCE, people not only knew that the earth was round, but thanks to Eratosthenes, correctly computed the circumference of the earth using simple geometry and studying the shadows cast by the earth on the moon as two different locations, Alexandria and modern day Aswan. This would be Eratosthenes of Cyrene, Greek mathematician, geographer, poet, astronomer, and music theorist. A paragon of learning, he became the chief librarian at the Great Library of Alexandria. He invented the discipline of geography, including the same terminology we use today. He was the authority of basically everything, and he had correctly calculated the circumference of planet Earth to be about 27,402 miles. That's right. Using geometry and shadows, he calculated the circumference of planet Earth within a 10% margin of error. But that's not where Columbus was getting his information from. Enter Paolo del Pozo Toscanelli. Unlike the former Greek authority, Paolo Toscanelli rolls off the tongue way better. He was also born in 1397. He was an Italian astronomer, mathematician, and cosmographer. Uh, he's the guy that actually discovered Halley's Comet. Halley only predicted the comet's return in 1759. Yeah, he was a total underachiever. But thanks to Toscanelli's long life, he, he died in 1482 and lived to be 85 years old. Unheard of in the Renaissance age. But he was, he was one of the central figures in the intellectual and cultural history of Renaissance in Florence. Uh, he claimed to have been educated at the University of Padua. Uh, today, most historians agreed this was not true. Again, alternative facts. But what we do know is that Toscanelli was really well-connected. His best friend was Cardinal Nicholas of Cusa. Cusa was not just connected, he was really well-connected. His network of friends included the architects Alberti and Filippo Brunelleschi. But most importantly, Pope Nicholas V. It's an impressive network soon to include Toscanelli. There are two things you need to understand about these men. First, they were all humanists who valued human experience over mathematics. And second, 
they were all present at the Council of Florence. It's here Toscanelli was introduced to the works of Strabo, a Greek philosopher previously unknown to Italy from the first century BCE. Strabo was a kind of, he was kind of a character. He came from an affluent family in what's now Turkey, and he spent the better part of his life traveling the world. He was extensively well-traveled through places like Egypt, Kush, Ethiopia, Roma, Asia Minor, and he published a book called The Geographica, in which he acknowledged the contribution of Eratosthenes and his mathematical approach, but claimed a descriptive approach was more practical and that his works were designed for statesmen who were more anthropologically than numerically concerned with the character of countries and regions. Alternative facts. So what's a well-connected renaissance jack-of-all-trades to do? If you're thinking make a map, you would be right. And in 1474, Toscanelli sends his map to a priest in his humanist network stationed in the Cathedral of Lisbon. He gives it to the king with this scheme about sailing west to go east and arrive in the Spice Islands. At the same time, Toscanelli learns about Columbus from this same priest and sends him the same letter with his map, which is cubical. You know, with edges that someone less educated might think you could sail off the edge of. And that map, it estimates Japan is 5,000 miles larger than it actually is. And so Columbus miscalculates the circumference of the Earth by 25%. This is important because no sailing vessel of the 15th century can carry enough food and water to make such a voyage west to go east. Meaning everyone on that voyage would have died a torturous, horrible, terrible starvation death. That is if they hadn't run into the New World, or at least the islands off the coast. Right, and while this is hopefully highly educational and maybe a little entertaining for you, it probably feels like we're circling on the periphery of alternative facts. Wait for it. In total, Columbus made four voyages to the New World, but till his dying day he insisted that he landed in the West Indies. Like a stubborn man-child, he could never accept that to Europeans at least, he'd discovered something new. That would have meant that Tuscanelli's map was wrong, that his own calculations of the circumference of the Earth were wrong, and if not for the serendipitous landing at what was probably San Salvador, he and his crew would have met with ruin and certain death, meaning he was the climate denier of his age. And this alternative history doesn't die with Columbus. It's perpetuated in things like the names of his ships, the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria. Those were the ship's nicknames taken from prostitutes the crew had visited. The idea of the West Indies, the American Indians, because in 1828, Washington Irving wrote a biography of Columbus in which he continued to reinforce these alternative facts. And it doesn't stop there. Fast forward to the 18th century, the Boston Massacre. Since when do five deaths constitute a massacre? Paul Revere's Midnight Ride? Revere was captured. Samuel Prescott and William Dawes made the ride, but Longfellow thought Revere's name flowed better in the title. It's all about rolling off the tongue. It really is. And President Washington's willingness to tell a lie or, or the material of his false teeth. Are we just going to sit, sit back and believe that one of the richest men in America at the time and the first president of the United States had wooden chompers? Come on. Our willingness to indulge in what we think we know is true in the face of confirmable evidence has only persisted and gotten worse with time. Climate deniers are just the latest trend. Modern meteorological tools can provide specific measurements on what's happening to planet Earth. 
If you don't believe the science, then just like Eratosthenes, use your eyes. Canada's Icefield Highway is miles from the ice. Deadly smog is routinely causing catastrophes in India and China. And here in the very little state of Rhode Island, right outside our studio window, it took until February 9th for the lawns to turn white. Okay? Climate change is a thing, fools. When we were growing up, that nonsense of snow started in November, which is why I'm so passionate about hating snowflakes as mentioned in a previous podcast. Our history is riddled with alternative facts and those who peddle them. But unlike the past, the 21st century offers the ability for us to evolve into lifelong learners, consistently remaining in the know. It's okay to learn something that changes your opinion or brings you to a different conclusion when presented with new information. We're in the middle of a new educational age where secrets are pulled daily into the light, where the truth really is out there, and where the illiterate are not those who cannot read and write, but those who refuse to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Hey, so if you like what you're hearing so far or have been listening to our podcast, feel free to give us a subscribe and, uh, and a rating and a review on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can also email us at thisishappeningamerica at gmail.com. And that brings us to this week's installment of News That Is Local Somewhere, because just like politics, all news is local somewhere. All right, Mark. What's your first story for us this week? Oh, man, do I have a doozy. Uh, it comes to us from our friends in Tokyo, Japan, um, where I, I, I found this, this article, this, this lovely article written in the Washington Post. Um, firstly, for a little context, um, Justin, have you ever seen the movie Lars and the Real Girl? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, uh, for those that for those that may have not seen uh, the the 2007 pick with the Dreamboat Ryan Gosling, oh, uh, Ryan Gosling plays a, a kind of like kind of an introvert, very socially anxious uh, person. Oh, oh actually, who, Elise and I started watching this, and yeah. we we're just like, oh, we can't do it. Right. We can't he do different, it. Basically, he he develops a relationship with a, a silicone doll named Bianca. Right. Yeah. Uh, because he he can't deal with. Um, a woman kind of it's it's kind of like 40 year old virgin if you didn't have seth rogan paul rudd and the other guy for steve Carell. yeah it, we right. tried we tried really hard yeah um so you know that uh that works for you know it works for ryan gosling um but did apparently it, did it mark well you know there was a uh, not to give right, away anything sorry, the movie, right, right, right. but it does work out for him in the end um and apparently it, it's also working out for 61 year old senji nakajima in Tokyo, Japan, <laughs> who has his own love doll named Sayori. Say hello to Sayori, Justin. Oh, that is that is haunt, haunting. Yeah. So, oh, is he have her in a wheelchair? Well, we, well, he can't carry her everywhere. She can't walk. She's oh, a doll. No, this is. Um. So he he uh, Senji says he basically got uh, Sayori to fill the fill fill the void. Oh, he no. was lonely. But after a couple of months of living with her, because that's what you do with dolls, you live with dolls, um, in his Tokyo apartment, he started to develop uh, feelings for the doll and no. thought that the doll was developing her own personality. So she's more than, uh, you know, she's not just a doll. She's a doll with feelings to, to Senji. Senji. And uh, he qu- quotes, it's quoted here as he's saying, she never betrays. 
That's right, because she's not a real person. Right. Uh, I'm tired of modern rational humans. I'm pretty sure that's what... Um, isn't that is, is, isn't that what the 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 Unabomber said about uh, rational humans? He was tired possibly. of rational humans. Yeah, yeah. They are heartless. For me, she is more than a doll. She needs much help, but still is my perfect partner who shares precious moments with me and enriches oh, my life. No, Senji. So uh, you know, I mean, I thought it was a very innocent take on just uh, an older man who's you know all alone, and instead of dealing with people in general who he's getting sick and tired of. He just has a doll. And, you know. He's, oh, no. And no. so I'm showing Justin. They, they took a bunch we of will, pictures we of will link Senji. You. We will link you to Senji. Of, of Senji with his doll, Sayori. And there, there they are. There he is carrying. I think she, I think he's carrying her into, think the, so. into the house. I hope so. Um, there they are watching TV together. Looks like she's laughing. Um, there, there they are snuggling. There, yep. Um, he's. I don't know what. He's doing I there, know. carrying her out. Oh, Senji, putting her in the putting her in the car. That's a, that's a nice pair of shoes he's he's got. Senji, for her. there's someone out there for you, buddy. Yeah. There's. Oh look, and people people are actually are, are actually nice. Is that somebody else with a? That is somebody I, I think else, that's somebody with, their else own, with, a, with their own love doll. That's a very own, nice floral kimono he's got. I like for her. that you gave it up finally and just called it a love doll. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a. It's a. Well, that's that's what it is. Look, it's, they're going wig shopping. Oh boy. Uh, and. She's alone there, and oh, oh, oh! oh, oh I didn't want, I didn't want to see him putting her together. That's Senji. messed up. All right, all right. Anyway, moving on. That's so. There it is, folks. I'll try and forget that. Forget that very quickly. Love Just dolls as quickly as actually I saw exist to all that right. extent. Uh, Mark, this is a story uh, coming to us out of Kentucky. Kentucky. Yes. Okay. When horses and freedom of religion collide. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, yes. No, no, no. Horse diapers have been thrust into the debate over religious freedom, Mark. What? what? Two Amish men in Auburn, Kentucky, filed a lawsuit last month saying a city ordinance requiring horses to wear equine diapers, bags designed to catch manure, violated the ability of Amish residents to exercise their religious freedom. What? Wait, isn't that the horse's freedom? What is what? What quite, is it? What quite is, possibly, yes. What does it have to do with their freedom? Uh, I think it has to do with them picking up after their horse. Shouldn't that be like a good thing? The ordinance passed in 2014 broadened an existing law mandating the removal of dog waste in public places. The new law, which the city said was spurred by complaints from neighbors about <laughs> horse manure, spurred, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, requires a properly fitted collection device to be placed on all horses walking on the street. So the issue has divided the town, 1,300 residents, uh, for years. Members of the town's Amish community have refused to comply with the ordinance, saying, quote, equine diapers violate the community's religious standards. The stance has landed many of them in court or worse. Uh, so... Last year, a judge found Dan Mast guilty of violating the ordinance, and he refused to pay the $193 fine. He spent 10 days in jail. Because he, because it's his religious belief that he's got to actually physically pick it up? Or just uh, let it be? No, just let it be. Or, I don't know. What does what that is have actual to do with relig- anything? Listeners, if you are Amish, or if you know someone who's Am- Amish, right into the show, this is America at gmail.com. Tweet us, T-I-H underscore America, 
let us know. Like, what is the the religious objection here? Uh, this isn't the first time the Amish have, have come up against city ordinances. In um, 2011, um, they believe they were required to fit LED lights to their their horse and buggies uh, riding at night. As you can imagine, this would cause a a traffic incident. Uh, and that reflective material and or lights violated their religious freedoms. Uh, they were also found to be in non-compliance of that and required to fit them. <coughs> wow. The city ordinance is the city council is quoted as saying this is just a health and safety issue that needs to be addressed. Yes. Yes. I, just l- l- listeners, viewers, whatever you are, just a friendly reminder, Justin and I don't actually share these <laughs> local news articles right. with each other. You're hearing them when we hear them. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a pleasant surprise to each of us, so that's why our reactions are kind of the way we are. Or, they are. or not a pleasant surprise. Or not a pleasant, case, maybe. Or, or an unpleasant surprise, it could be. Mark, what's next? <coughs> well, uh... There, the the gentleman. Uh, there's a gentleman in this article who found an unpleasant surprise in his bedroom. <laughs> um, so this is uh, th- Mark. This- if there's if this is a story about uh, a bathroom fixture, I'm going to have to stage an intervention for you. <laughs> no, it's no, okay. no, it's not. Right. No, no, All no, right. it's not. It's not. No, this is the story of uh, Pastor O. Jermaine Simmons. It's a great name. It's it's O Germain. It's a uh, it's a great name. Um, he took over as pastor at the um, Jacob Chapel Baptist Church in Tallahassee, uh, and more than four thousand people have joined since. He's a very successful pastor. Oh. He actually just released his first book, "I Need a Man," a Bible based paperback on modeling godly manhood. Huh. Um. Not where I thought that was going. No, but uh, apparently his version of godly manhood is getting uh, caught naked and having an affair with a woman. Okay, that is where I thought this was going. Right. Uh, So according to a Tallahassee police report, officers were called to an apartment by a woman who said her husband had a gun and was looking for her lover. Uh, The naked man behind the fence was Simmons, who was also her pastor, she told officers. Uh, she, She wasn't sure where her husband was, but she knew he was angry and armed. Uh, so the pastor had, according to the police report, the pastor had come over to the woman's house to talk over starting a business, patents and trademarks, and providing less fortunate kids with clothes and shoes. Apparently, according to Pastor Simmons, that's just foreplay. (laughs) Instead, (laughs) instead, they ended up in her daughter's bed having sex. Oh, that's, that's not okay. That's not okay. Uh... That same day, the woman's six-year-old son had gotten sick at school, where the teachers couldn't reach her, so they called the husband. So the husband picked up the sick kid and came home and found that she was cheating on the pastor. In their daughter's bed. Yes. So what does any rational man do? Well, he was going to kill him and reached for his handgun, because this is America and everybody's got a gun. Apparently. Yeah. Um, Simmons ran out of the apartment naked and hopped a privacy fence behind some shrubs. (laughs) Leaving his car keys and clothes behind <laughs> with the husband with a gun in between him. This is not funny. And his keys to go. Very serious. I it's can't very, very serious. Yeah, no, no. It's why are you laughing? It's, this this yeah. is the sort this is the kind of man this, this, this is the sort this, of man I am. This is this has happened. This is what happens in America. Wow. Um so anyway, 
the, so the husband couldn't <sighs> couldn't find him, and apparently some um, some local parishioners gave the pastor a ride from the apartment, and uh, Naked. police. Well, well, yeah, and uh, police <laughs> later helped him retrieve his clothes and car. <laughs> um, oh so, my goodness! Yeah, that happened in Tallahassee, Florida. Why does everything crazy happen in Florida? Um, is it just me? It or is do, like like all of like the most ridiculous things like happen in in Florida. Like the other day, the other day I tweeted an article about a man who was like. Naked in a car wash in Florida. <laughs> this is happening in Florida. It's and, just such beautiful weather. Yeah. Well, and, that, when, and when and in that article, when police asked him where his pants were, I've he said nothing. they ran away. <laughs> I'm not making this stuff. I can't make this stuff up. It's too ridiculous. Wait, 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 wait. His the guy who was naked in a car wash when asked where his pants were said that they ran away yes. on, on their own. Yes. Let's not go to Florida, Mark. Tis a silly place. All right. <laughs> Mark, have you, have you seen or heard of the movie Snakes on a Plane? Yes, I have. All right. Well, this is called... I've seen Snakes on a Plane. Well, this is, this is not a sequel, but this, is, this story is called Falcons on a Plane. Falcons on a Plane. Yes. So, uh, this... That actually sounds cooler. This story comes to us uh, out, of the, out of Saudi Arabia, uh, where a Saudi does. prince bought his 80 Falcons plane seats on a an international flight what so here's here's a photo that was tweeted out from the flight oh my those that's a bunch of i didn't 80 falcons who owns 80 falcons a saudi prince i didn't know there were 80 falcons like around well so falconing is actually uh i don't know if it's sport or a hobby or what you call it but falconing is a is an important cultural part of of saudi arabia so you mean so you mean to tell me that 80 falcons on a plane can come into america right now but visa card holders and green card holders and permanent residents i i didn't even go there with it but yes um (laughs) well actually technically they can come in now 80 saudi falcons uh can enter the united states (laughs) oh my god i just that's it I'm calling for an executive order. Mark, you broke me. This executive order. I'm I'm so broken. Um, we will no longer allow Falcons from Saudi is, Arabia in our country. That is a terrible impersonation of the president, which makes it all the better. Exactly. So uh, this photograph of 80 Falcons belonging to a Saudi prince flying on a plane, each with an individual seat, became an internet sensation earlier. It was posted on Reddit. Uh, The image of the flight with the hooded birds occupying a large section of the plane was taken by the pilot, who shared it by a Reddit user, Lensu. Although having so many birds on a plane is fairly unusual, several airlines serving the Gulf states permit passengers to bring Falcons on board with them, including Ethad Airways, Emirates, Qatar Airways, and Royal Jordanian Airlines. One Redditor points out that this flight probably isn't Qatar economy class because its policy states that only six Falcons are permitted in the economy class at a time. (laughs) Only six? Only six. Indeed, Qatar Airways said it had established that the flight was not one of theirs, saying that the cabin interior and the crew uniforms were incorrect. (laughs) According to the website, Qatar Airlines does allow passengers to bring one Falcon on board in the economy class passenger cabin of an aircraft and a maximum of six Falcons are permitted within the economy class cabin of an aircraft. Uh, even if 
even try again, Justin. It even has a page (laughs) of rates for transporting Falcons through the region. Lufthansa also has special stands for first class passengers who put their Falcons on during a flight. And United Arab Emirates has issued passports for Falcons since 2002 and has issued tens of thousands of travel documents for the birds. Falconry is an ancient and important part of the Arab heritage, and the culture is very important in the Gulf states. There are two breeding farms in the Emirates, as well as those in Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea that falconing was was that. I didn't know that falconing was a thing. It is. There are approximately 3,000 birds used for falconry in the Arabian Peninsula today. Well, I mean, you, I mean, it's got to be a thing if airlines are going through that much trouble to accommodate them. I really want to get on a plane and and just have a falcon on a stand when I when I get there. I think that would be wonderful and that would be ridiculous. Awesome. Well, you know, just a couple, of, just a little while ago, the pa- the New England Patriots had 53 of them on a stand. Oh! Took me a second. Took me a second. <laughs> And that brings us to this week's pick for the Basket of Deplorables. Mark, who's in this week's pick for the Basket of Deplorables? Uh, Justin, I mean, it was too easy. It really it's, was. I mean, it just I, I, I really tried hard not to take the low-hanging fruit, but... It was, it was deserving. But you know what? When you're as shriveled up as a prune as Mitch McConnell is... You you get put in the basket of deplorables, okay? And the the famous phrase now that's going to be a slogan for women's rights activists forever. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she, she persisted. persisted. I couldn't have written it any better myself. Actually, it's condescending. It's pointed. It's snide, and and they're words that are usually spoken by an evil overlord in a sword and sandal pick or Game of Thrones. Seriously, doesn't that sound like something Tywin Lannister would say? She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. While your favorite, like he says that, while your favorite character who vowed to defy the odds was wallowing on the floor after an epic beatdown at his feet with a king's guard ready to take them away to the dungeon. Okay, but no, folks, this wasn't an episode of television. It happened. It happened in the House of the Senate, where GOP Majority Leader Mitch McConnell enacted Senate Rule 19 to silence Senator Elizabeth Warren from the floor as she gave testimony against controversial Attorney General pick Jeff Sessions. Is is Senate Rule 19 like Stormtrooper Order 66? I have no idea. I didn't even know there was. I, I mean, I imagine there would be some type of like, like Senate rules, Senate guide to the, you know, some doubt, you know, set Senate rules for dummies. But I didn't know until now. Neither um, did I. Neither you know, did I. but of course there, there, are, there are plenty of conservative kudos being spewed on social media for this. Ah, yes, Rule 19. Good show. Good show, old chap. Right. Because everybody knows the Senate rulebook front to back like the recipe for boiling water. Okay? And seriously, if anybody knew there was a Rule 19 or even a Rule, like, like 15 before, the, b- before this episode of Game of Senators, I'd love you to write into the show. And, and Rule 19, I read it. I can't believe that that was like the 19th thing that they arrived on. You would think that that would come up, would have come up a little sooner, right? Yes. Of course, you know, the rule like nine, rule one or two would, yeah, have, would like, have addressed this. Right. So like essentially for those that don't know, rule 19 is basically the Senate saying, hey, when we're debating, don't disparage a fellow senator. Like, don't say anything 
you know, right. like terrible about them or whatever. And if that actually is the case and that actually gets thrown around all the time, then like it should rule, be rule number one. Well, not only should it be rule number one, but lately I don't even know how they could have uh, how they can have Senate debates because that's all they've been doing. Right. Of course, you know, the cause for Senator Warren to have um, received the penalty of Rule 19 is um, she was debating and trying to give the testimony with words of civil rights activist Coretta Scott King, who at one time wrote a letter concerned about Jeff Sessions' character back in the 1980s. It's way too salacious for the Senate floor. It's way out of bounds. But, you know, uh, but and the, the Senate, you know, and the House and our government, you know, peoples like to differentiate themselves from other governing bodies in other countries because we're so much more diplomatic and we're high on character, referring to each other as friends and having fierce, friendly debate in a quorum of civilized dignitaries. This was far from it. And lately, the Senate has looked more and more like a Monty Python parody shepherded by a bunch of holier-than-thou partisan babies. And now we can add Mitch McConnell to the list for not just silencing free speech because it may speak poorly of a cabinet nominee who, who just also happens to be a senator— they're arguing against the judgment of somebody for the position. You think they're not going to try to disparage his character? Of course they are. That's the point, Mitch. But no, McConnell takes it one step further as a hypocrite, along with the entire GOP, because four Democratic senators took the weight off Senator Warren and read parts of the letter for her as she was expelled from the chamber. Those senators were Bernie Sanders, Jeff Merkley, Sherrod Brown, and Tom Udall. What do they all have in common besides being Democrats? They're dudes. Way to sprinkle in a little sexism into the recipe for bad PR, Mitch. You didn't silence Elizabeth Warren. You didn't do anything of the kind. You empowered her and others to continue to oppose and debate ideals which in turn actually does make our country better. Consider this your warning, your explanation, because the people will nevertheless persist. And you give turtles a bad name. Deplorable. Deplorable. I like turtle soup. You, you're you're awful. <laughs> and that brings us to this week's Tulsi Gabbard Star Spangled Awesome Award. That's right. Tulsi Gabbard is still Star Spangled Awesome in our book. And we're going to continue out to give out awesome awards for people who actually do awesome, uh, things. awesome things. So, Justin... Coming up off from the basket of deplorables, I wonder who's uh, who's getting an awesome award this week. Banking reform. She's pretty much leading the charge on uh, this week. We we kind of settled on Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yes, uh, uh, obviously, right. Senator Warren, while being outspoken and critic of President Trump, has also in the recent memory. Champions such such causes as uh, the American consumer, finance, civil rights, civil rights, every facet of government in which the American taxpayer, the American voter, uh, is not being represented. And our current president really doesn't like her right now. No, and <laughs> she did get get. She was pulled into this attack dog role during the the Clinton campaign, which has, has kind of cast her in a different light than she set up for herself. But overall, uh, Elizabeth Warren is a member of Congress, is an, is an American, is entitled to her freedom of speech, and is certainly entitled 
to read a letter of, of concern from a noted civil rights leader on, a, on an appointment of the president to the attorney general's office. Yeah. Now you and you can uh, listen. You can ar- argue that it's bipartisan politics. You can argue that she's skewed and has an agenda and is trying to undermine, you know, President Trump's cabinet picks. Well, uh, you know what, what, what have you? But the fact of the matter is, you know, if she, f- she as an elected official, if she has concern over something that is being someone who is being appointed or something, somebody who's going to be in charge of, especially providing, you know, you know, enacting the law of the land, then it's her job to do so. And the fact that she um, was silenced in, in the Senate House was 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 staggering. But I would also commend her for her for her bravado in right. dealing with the situation. She didn't huff and puff. She didn't go on a tirade. She didn't blow her top. Right. She and, was actually calm, cool and collected about it. Yes. And with the grace for which she took that censure. And in the way that she turned it around into an, an empowering moment for not just herself, but for women and for those who do not have a voice. Yeah. Um, or just or just for the sake of debate and disagreeing. Right. Which you is are, something that it, that is so special about our country. And I would also give her a special shout out for um, throwing the shade. Yeah, <laughs> back at Mitch McConnell because when she when she left the chamber, all she did was take the note and take to Facebook and her Facebook page right. and uh, read the letter and send it on to social media. And that video now has over twelve million views. Wow, and over three hundred and fifty thousand likes. So, Senator Warren, you are awesome in our book, and hopefully, you are awesome in Tulsi's book too. Anything you want to plug this week? Uh, yeah, if uh, you guys want to check out the latest and greatest writings from uh, from yours truly, you can head on down to the Court of MVB uh, at my website, mark-bettencourt.net backslash the Court of MVB. Justin, anything for you to plug? Uh, nothing for me to plug of mine. Uh, I do want to plug a very good friend recently started her own business. It's called Industry Coffee Roasters. They're out of California. And uh, you should check them out online. We'll link you to them in our uh, show notes. Love coffee. Me too. You can find past episodes of the show at iTunes and on Google Play. Or you can uh, find some fun stuff that we post on Facebook at This Is Happening America. You can tweet us at T-I-H underscore America. Or feel free to email us at thisishappeningamerica at gmail.com. Our website is thisishappeningamerica.weebly.com. And somewhere, somehow, someway in the great country of America, this is Mark. This is Justin. Signing off from another episode. Bangarang. <laughs>